Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we sit down with everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Welcome aboard, Mighty Sparrow, once again tied to a dock. It has been a whirlwind, a whirlwind of wonder. <laughs> I have been on land approximately four hours now, and... It's so amazing to pull in and have friends there to greet greet you, even off of a, a short, short-lived trip, like six days. It's still, there's nothing better. And seeing some old faces that I have not seen since I left here in October of last year is absolutely amazing. Oh, the beers have been flowing, which, since I haven't had any beers in days and days, kind of go into my head a little bit. Uh, so I don't know. We'll probably keep this one a little short and sweet and then add in a couple of, uh, the podcasts I did out on, on the water and Murph tomorrow being Friday. We're actually, I'm going to go and I'm going to start, I'm <laughs> start work tomorrow at 7am. So in, into work, uh, it's only like five 30 right now, but I am eyeballing my bunk, something fierce. Oh, yesterday. We had that, I think, when I was doing the podcast yesterday, uh, I want to say the winds were pretty much steady, easy going. I finished up that podcast and the winds cranked, 25 to 30 knots, right out of the west. We were reaching across them, just powering along, trying to get uh, a little bit of room in between Sparrow and the Great South Channel and the fishing fleets and all that sort of stuff. The tide was with us, so we just ripped. Oh, it was great. And we're flying along, and then the wind started to get fickle just after midnight. So just about the time that I was trying to lay down and get a couple hours of sleep, the the old... Uh, uh, the old wind it did it again, and so I'm I'm up and down trying to adjust, keep the boat going, keep the mainsail from slatting and all that. I've got as much canvas up as, as humanly possible. There's fishing boats, so I have the VHF on. The radio's going bonkers. People are yelling at each other. I think I might have talked about that if I if I even did a podcast this morning. I don't know if I did. My brain is scrambled. In, in any event, um, so all of Yesterday, it's cranking, blowing like crazy, and then it dies off. And so all of last night, I just watched as the wind petered out and the waves stayed. Luckily, luckily for me, it just coincided just enough to be able to keep Sparrow going by adding more and more sail. But eventually... The stars came out. You know, and there was something interesting, actually. You know, the... Uh, the transatlantic flights that leave from the States, from what I understand, they, they typically try and fly those at night because there's less radiation or whatever from the sun. I don't know if that's a fact or not. But right after sunset, holy cow, it was like an armada was flying out of here. It was all commercial jets. But it was just one after another after another. All headed to the northeast, going over to Europe and all that sort of stuff. But it's pretty cool. Um, in any event, so I got to watch that. And then there were a few lobster boats around, not too many. So it wasn't too bad. And I, I was just praying that the wind would hold and it held until I want to say again, probably around 11 o'clock at night. So last night, 11 o'clock, the winds finally die off to a point where I, I can no longer sail. And I'm sort of stuck in a situation where, I'm about 60, 70 miles out from Rockland. And 60, 70 miles, say you're doing, say you're topping out at, at six knots, 10 hours you'll be there. So more like 12 hours. So I'm sitting there sort of juggling, you know, should I, should I try and get a couple hours sleep right now? 
and then wake up in a few hours and motor because I want, I have to, once you reach about Matinicus, which is one of the outlying islands here, they call it Lug Island because if you go out there, you got to lug everything because they don't have any, anything, <laughs> any shops or anything out there. Um, yeah, once you reach that area, normally it's lobster pots every 10 feet or so. I mean, they're, it's absolutely insane. It's a little earlier in the season this year that I'm up here and not even half as many lobster pots. So that's kind of cool. Um, not that I would really want to just sleep and, and, um, let the boat just go through them because I know we're probably not going to catch them on the rudder, but if Mongo catches one, it can do some damage, you know, cause some of those pots, you might be picking up a buoy that's got 10 or 20 lobster pots on a string and you don't even know it. And that can do some serious damage. So it's one of those things where if I'm not going to be motoring uh, or I wanted to make sure as I entered and, and got past Matinicus and all that stuff, I was, I was awake and it was light so I could see what was going on. And so I'll, I'm I'm sitting there trying to juggle like okay do I do I sleep now and then motor earlier, and I ended up because I was still sort of awake I figured you know what let's motor now, and that way we'll we'll get a couple of hours, so maybe 15 20 miles tops and we'll also let the sea calm down so that when it is time for me to just shut it all down and drift, uh, I will be so exhausted I'll be able to slip you know, sleep straight away. And that was the game plan, motoring. Everything was going pretty good. Seas were calming down. Just sort of standing there watching, you know, and and a big cloud bank came in, which was kind of upsetting because the stars were really, really good. But the moon came out, all that sort of stuff. Um, But again, it was in that cloud bank and just kept going and going. And I think I made it till about 3.30, almost 4 in the morning. And was so tired and got within, I think it said like 47 miles or something. And again, if you hit the tide wrong, you, I, I, I pretty much think about my average of doing 100 miles a day, which is about four knots. Average. So 40, 45 miles or so, we're looking at 11 hours. Um, so if I slept until 6... In the morning, then wake up, start start going again. If I have to motor, then I'll be there by 5 o'clock, 5 p.m. Perfect. All right, that works for me. So shut everything down, lock it up, and hit the bunk and immediately fall asleep, just straight into crazy dream zone. It's freezing cold, uh, but it also smells so bad down below from just me being all closed up down here and and – Sort of the conditions being such that taking little little showers and stuff up on in the cockpit is sort of not happening. So I'm I'm just foregoing that and not really changing any clothes or anything like that. You get the picture. So it's, li- it's a bit ripe, and you know eating eating lots of protein and uh, you know cans of ravioli and stuff like that. You can imagine the effervescence that was. You get the picture. In any event. <laughs> oh man mm. i fall asleep drastic REM sleep brain is just dumping crazy dreams at me i wake up at six in the morning it's light there's wind blowing i am so discombobulated i haven't had a sip of alcohol in like three four days i felt absolutely like i was completely hammered for at least a minute or two i'm standing up in the cockpit like what is going on and it's just it's sleep deprivation it's you know just not getting enough sleep and and then i sort of sort my brain out i figure out exactly which way i'm supposed to be going peel the boat off that way put up the mainsail put up the drifter it's blown probably 12 to 15 knots so it's strong enough and we're just hooning all of a sudden I look and we're, we're doing like seven, seven, eight knots with the tide and just cruising straight towards Rockland. The sea is flat, just tiny waves. 
Oh my gosh, it was it was like the best gift anybody could have ever gotten me in a million years. I just wanted to get in, be able to get off the boat. I had been just getting rocked around and sort of locked down below because it's cold out. And it was wet yesterday and all that. So we're hooning. But it's one of those things where I, I could already sort of see just the shape and the outline of Matinicus, which lies about 15 miles south of Rockland. And when you see, you could see like that whole idea of like, land ho! Oh my gosh! And boom, an hour later you're there. There's That is it's so far from the truth, it's insane. I mean, I saw Matinicus... At 6 a.m., I didn't reach Matinicus and start passing it until probably, uh, shoosh, probably about 11 in the morning, maybe 12. So like six hours later, after standing and watching these islands slowly get clearer and clearer. So you pass them. There's lobster pots, there's all this stuff, fishing boats, everything. We get past them. Winds. Thankfully, they're coming just perfect out of the southeast. And so we're broad reaching, full sail, just cruising. I'm just drinking coffee after coffee. I make a big breakfast burrito to try and enjoy, but I, I'm I'm absolutely brain dead. And I can't sleep because there's lobster pots and I'm having to avoid those. So it's one of those situations where I know I'm in it for the long haul. I'm just trying to listen to music, podcasts, whatever. I have to be up in that cockpit. It's kind of cold. But it's also windy, and it's sort of cloud cover, but it's sunny, so I'm putting sunscreen on. It's cold. I hate doing that. But I've been getting cooked out here. And and then, uh, yeah, basically just kept going and going and going and going. And then just after noon, I finally start to see things that I recognize, mostly Owlhead Lighthouse and beeline it for that, peel in, engine pretty much held up nothing to report there a little bit of i i definitely need to go through the fuel system again but pretty much a solid performance and did the turn into rockland took the drifter down locked that up kept the mainsail up for a while when i did drop that one the engine was already running and she's pretty much ready to go i always I can drop the main and I have the staysail there. If the engine quits, I can raise them in two seconds, that sort of thing. It's normally what you want to do if you're approaching anywhere. You know, you never want to be the guy that's packing up everything, puts the sail cover on and motors in because if that motor quits on you, then what are you going to do? So always keep that stuff ready. And then once you're on the dock, that's when you want to do it. Just a little top tip from old J-Rome here. Uh, so got in, boom. Dave's here. Murph's here. They're on the dock. They're waiting. Big hugs. Tie off. The world, after after rolling around through all that stuff in the Gulf of Maine yesterday, the world was pitching 20 degrees every direction. I could barely stand up. Stayed on the floating dock, which was getting hit by some of these waves for a good long while, and then walked through the parking lot. I... I, I I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or what, but the land sickness hits me a lot harder these days than it used to. And oh, Murph hands me a little shot of fireball instantly, and then we go in, say hi to a bunch of people. The whole main family is up here. They're already gripping and ripping ready. We're all going to have a big old summer, start moving boats, and uh, yeah, I don't know when we'll we'll haul Sparrow out, but uh, it'll be within this. It'll either be tomorrow or uh, next week. But we got a little tiny dock here already. We're gonna put the rest of the docks in soon enough, I guess. But uh, yeah, they were like, "Hey, if you need the day off tomorrow, you go for it." But uh, we're gonna start at seven thirty, and I was like, "I will be there." <laughs> now, whether or not I actually show up, I don't know. I'm I'm almost hundred percent sure I will just because I am ready to, to get in there and start launching some boats. There's three of us running the yard this year, plus Murph on uh, auxiliary. But it's basically going to be Jim, Dave, and I trying to uh, trying to kill it and launch all these boats and then pull them all back out this fall. So 
Really looking forward to being part of a team for the summer and making this place shine. Great customer service, all that. Night Marine, biggest little boatyard in Maine. Best little boatyard in Maine. So proud. I even wore the staff shirt today when I came in. You know, wearing my blues. Got to make sure you represent. <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, after that, pretty much beers were flowing. Somebody got a pizza real quick and had a couple slices. Now it is just about 6 p.m. and I am all ready to go chug some water and go right to bed. If I could sleep for 12 hours, oh, it's going to be the best 12 hours ever. I can't I can't even wait. What The dreams that I'm going to have are going to be nuts. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to it. But I've got a heater going. I'm plugged into shore power. Oh, it feels so good. It feels so, so good. That was it was such a you know, out out at sea, I try and stay as positive as possible, especially when I'm doing the podcast, you know, try and look on the bright side. But I do have to say, this passage from Ocean City was probably one of the most frustrating, mentally challenging uh passages I've had. Such fickle wind, light wind, fog. No wind, then a bunch of wind, then waves, then no wind, all that sort of stuff. It was tough. It was mentally very daunting, especially the fact that I I knew that I sort of had that option where I, I could have gone and, and just stayed offshore and all that. But I don't know. We'll, we'll get into that in more detail when my brain actually works a little bit better. I figured I would just throw this one out, and I'm going to link on – probably two a two-parter so number one and number two of the sailing trip up here <clears throat> and then yeah if, if all goes well and i can lock murphy down murph and i are going to do a podcast tomorrow night and uh, i don't know when i'll put that one out but i'm gonna put this one out right now so thanks again for listening we are literally only about 100 downloads away from 50,000 downloads which is so cool uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of excited about that and we're just going to keep on blasting through and, uh, yeah. So coming up will be part one and part two of leaving from ocean city and I'm going to get some sleep. Uh, thanks for listening. And as always, if you want to support the podcast, dude, head on over to Patreon and, and join the, join the crew and, uh, we'll, keep this podcast a rolling thanks for my patreon family that's already supporting this podcast and keeping it going because without you guys it wouldn't be still rolling so take care and uh here we go part one and part two. Oh yeah baby here we go microphone check that check put that down let's get this situated copy me now oh yeah all right it is may 14th we have been at sea for approximately 11 hours and i am feeling good because gray skies have finally cleared up so i'm putting on a happy face oh man let's just break down today's events so far obviously wake up early 5 30 dense pea soup fog and looking at basically no end in sight it does say that it's supposed to clear around eight eight in the morning that's well past high tide which technically is slack water although i'm gonna find out that it's actually not but uh, i was gaming for leaving at high tide which was 7 a.m so I mess around, I get everything, there's only a couple little things to do, fire up the engine, pretty easy, nothing uh, nothing too crazy about that, everything works really well. What's going on with this microphone? Oh, it's slipping. It's alright, I'll give it a little support. Um, yeah, so everything's looking good. I do see that the halyards are wrapped a little bit, but like one of them's overlapping the other one. And I could not get it sorted out on the dock. I've actually always found that it's easier to do that out at sea when the boat is rolling a little bit. Um, 
So we're going to see how that goes. Maybe that was a good decision, bad decision. But everything was coated in so much moisture. I went to climb the mast, got up to about the staysail halyard, which is about two-thirds of the way up, and was not feeling too good about it. Figured, eh, you know what, let me let me keep trying. Tried a bunch more from the deck. It's about 6.30 at this point. And, uh, yeah, basically... Went back up the mast another time, got really close, and started to sort of feel like, this just doesn't feel very good. I didn't want to be up there. Everything, I mean, my, my bare feet were just sliding around on these pegs like never before. And so I was like, okay, well, we'll figure this one out later. Um, and the the overlapping stuff, I've, I've seen that before. Uh, there's two big pulleys up there, two big shivs. Um, and there's a lot of space in between them. So there's never a ton of pressure. It's not like a crazy overlap. So it's not too big of a deal. Uh, but it is something I was like, oh man, cause I, you know, when I took the bowsprit off, a lot of lines got shifted around. And when I put them back, I don't know if I did it correctly. Sometimes those things, uh, just sort of escape me, I guess you could say. But in any event, we, or me sorted that. As much as I wanted to sort it, and then I just sort of waited and watched the fog. Again, high tide was supposed to be at 7 a.m., and so at 7 a.m., I untied the lines. There's no wind inside the marina. Piece of cake. Engine is purring away. Uh, no big worries. Mongo is ready to go. The only thing I needed to do attach was the wind blade, and... Uh, so yeah, took off in super dense fog. I'd say I could probably see, I want to say 100 yards, but it was probably a little bit less than that. And as I left the, the super, super protected harbor at uh, Sunset Marina, which shout out to Karen. She was the all-star in the office, super, super nice, and uh, was willing to let me bend her ear for... Many a minute, because uh, I was pretty lonely over there. But um, So shout out, Karen. You do a great job. I'm going to definitely write a review and make sure she gets uh, name recognition. You know, working in the service industry for as long as I did, I I know how, how those things uh, work their way up the old chain of command, and they pay attention to them. So I'm going to make sure she, she gets her... her uh, she gets exactly what she deserves, which is a great review and a name shout-out. So, in any event, uh, I head out of this little protected channel, and then, boom, there's like a kayaker there. Right to the first buoy. Get into it. It's high tide, so I got a little wiggle room on how close I can get and all that sort of stuff. And I'm motoring, I'm motoring, and I get past into sort of the main channel area where the inlet is just uh, a tenth of a mile away. And... I notice on the first buoy I go to pass, the current is moving, and it's moving in. It's still coming in, which when I think about it, I think back to the dock master uh, down at Ladies Island, Aaron, and he would always say, you know, slack water is not usually until about a half hour after high tide, and I should have heeded that advice a little, but I'm almost glad I didn't, and I'll tell you why. As I make my way out this little inlet, there's two break walls. One goes and then does uh, Coast Guard. Yeah, we're going to turn that right off. They do so many pan pans. It's so crazy. Not like traditional pan pans, but anyway. Uh, so I'm headed. One of them, it goes straight out, and then the other one goes straight and then kinks in towards the channel. And all the guys that I talked to on the fishing boats, they said, make sure you stay right in the middle of that channel, bud. That's where it's deep. Everything else, you never really know. Things are always shifting around here, all that sort of stuff. And the current is just ripping me around. So I'm hand steering. I've got the engine on. We're pushing 1,200 RPM, which on Mighty Sparrow is a lot. Normally, I'm running 900 to 1,000, and that's, that's cruising speed. I'm barely doing a knot, knot and a half, because uh, it's coming in that strong. So 
we're going, we're going, and uh, we're we're basically getting closer and closer, and I'm starting to feel the swell coming in from the ocean, which I I couldn't see it through the binoculars. I had seen it the day before; it looked pretty calm, but there were still definitely some breakers. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, geez, what have I got myself into? But I do know I have my exit plan. Exit plan <laughs> essentially is just turn around and come back in and go tie back up to the dock until later. And with the help of, you know, an iPad and all that sort of stuff, and now knowing that channel really well and the voyage and all that sort of stuff, it, it wouldn't have been too much of an issue even without the iPad. It's a really well-marked little area. And... I get further and further, and now you know I'm hearing the waves breaking on the break walls. I can see one of the break walls, and I can see all these fishermen are out there, and and they're they're you know sort of looking at me. I got my nav lights on, everything, because it's it's really foggy, and you're close to those walls. I was probably a hundred feet away, tops, and then boom, buoy comes out, and then the other buoy, and that's that's sort of the entrance. Uh, and that's where the wave action is definitely the biggest and maybe 50 feet on one side waves are heaping up and then breaking and then 50 feet on the other side they're breaking over the submerged part of the jetty which uh, you know I'm just trying to keep my track and my line so that I stay right in the middle sorry I'm gonna do a little oh geez all right I'm just gonna just gonna hold the microphone and essentially, uh, yeah, get through some of that. But then the waves are probably three to four with the every once in a while five footer coming in, not breaking unless they're hitting something. And Sparrow's doing a pretty good job. I don't have the mainsail up, so we're rolling pretty heavily with each one. Uh, but the engine's doing great. We're starting as soon as we got out of that jetty area. We started to pick up speed a little bit. Now we're doing two and a half, almost three knots, and we're aiming to get above one set of shoals out to the next red buoy and then stay below the other set of shoals. It's a really sort of tricky area, which is part of the reason why I ended up uh, staying as long as I did. It just, it's there wasn't a whole lot of margin for error. I mean, had, had the engine conked out at that point, there was no wind. So I, I probably would have been out of luck at that point. Um, the most I could have done was toss the anchor, which is stowed down below right now, but easily accessible so that I, within say 30 seconds, I could have had it overboard. But Still, you don't want to be sitting there in pea soup fog anchored in the middle of an inlet with tide racing and four-foot waves coming in. So, in any event, mainsail's ready to go just in case. And I get out, get into sort of a comfortable area and sort of realize that I'll bet you had I left an hour later to see if maybe the fog would lift, which, in fact, it never did. It just lifted and it is now like 5.30 p.m. Uh, I think um, I think with the current going out against those seas, those seas would have probably become at least a little more heaped up, if not actual breakers, and then it would have been trouble to... For, for Sparrow's engine, which is pretty old, uh, to be able to punch through some of those waves would not have been uh, a pleasant pleasant thing to go through so i was kind of glad that i called it and ended up uh or i screwed up sorry and ended up leaving earlier than uh slack water because with the tide coming in still it definitely would have uh chalked down some of those waves and made it made it a little less uh chaotic for me but so then pretty much uh slightest little breeze came up after about maybe an hour of just straight motoring and so I threw up the mainsail still kind of half slatting half filling but I think it added a little bit to the speed and one of the things that was interesting is I I I sort of backed off on the RPMs just a little bit and I I definitely felt like whoa the speed just really dropped 
But I looked around and I actually went up. I went up to the bow to make sure I wasn't dragging something off of uh, the bobstay or the bobstay fitting. And I looked aft as well, make sure the prop was clear. Everything looked fine. Uh, but our speed had dropped down. We were doing like two and a half knots, motor sailing. Not really sailing, but motoring with the sail. And uh, that went on for another hour, hour and a half maybe. And then the wind picked up enough where I put up the staysail. And then actually uh, the wind picked up out of the southeast enough. So I threw up the drifter as well. And again, it's light. It's like six to seven knots of wind, if that. Uh, Pretty big rolling swell. So the boat's moving. So you need a good bit of wind to keep those sails filled and, and prevent Sparrow from rocking. And uh, so I put up all that stuff, and I go, thank goodness, get to shut the engine down after like three, four hours of motoring, listening to the old kerchunk, 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 and shut the engine down, and I hear tunk, 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 tunk. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, no, did I just, did the prop shaft just snap? Or is has, has like one of the blades on the prop dislodged a little bit and now is hitting the rudder? Oh, my gosh. Like worst case scenarios are coming up in my head. I run back uh, from in the cabin and I look in the, um, look down at the, the prop. Prop looks fine, but then something else catches my eye. And it's bright pink. And it's bright yellow, and it's a lobster buoy, and it is just clunking against the rudder. And somehow, and it'll be interesting when I get hauled out in Maine to be able to see what happened, but there, there, there used to be a tab that ran from the keel over the little gap to the rudder, which prevented lobster pots and things like that from actually getting stuck in there. And somehow, and I don't know how, either that has snapped off or, because I, I still remember feeling it when I was uh, cleaning the bottom of the boat at Ladies Island. So at least back then it was still there. Uh, but somehow this, this lobster pot got lodged in there. So I slow the boat way down. I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, you'd be kidding me. I got to get in the water. It's freezing cold out. Still foggy. I'm not that far off of shore. Uh, man, you know, it's, it's one of those things like, what next? But I was able to slow the boat down, and the buoy just got enough uh, buoyancy or had enough buoyancy to float a little bit higher. And I was able to snag it with the boat hook and then give it a good pull. And um, I don't know if it's a lobster pot, crab pot, fish pot, who knows. It wasn't that heavy, so I'm kind of thinking it was not a lobster pot. But I give it a good pull, bring up some of the uh, line, about maybe three, four feet of it, and then drop it. And then nothing happens. (laughs) And then I do it again and again and again because I really didn't want to cut it. Um, You know, cutting, cutting somebody's... Fish trap or lobster trap is uh, is like stealing money out of their stealing money out of their uh, bank account or out of their wallet, and so I really did not want to have to do that. But I also did not want to have to jump in the water either. So last time I did it, maybe after five six tries, uh, I pulled up a whole bunch of it, and I drop all of it in except for the buoy, and then boom, it is free. Oh my gosh, I see the line pull off to the other side. Again, it's not that heavy. Throw the buoy back in, and then boom, I am out of here. Oh man, I didn't really inspect the line to see uh, if I had damaged it at all. My concern was not really for that. Um, Maybe I should have, I don't know, but with how stormy it's been, I don't even know. That lobster buoy or that pot could have come from it could have come from 200 miles north of us. So, Lord only knows. But uh get that over and done with, super relieved, still crazy foggy. And then, boom, it, literally minutes later, the AIS alarm is just blaring at me. And essentially the um the inlet for Philadelphia, Delaware Bay, all that sort of stuff is crowded with about six big ships. 
a few of which are either anchored or just hovering, but there's a couple that are making maneuvers to go in there. And so now I got to cut pretty much right through the middle of those guys, but it's dense fog. I'm not hearing a single sound signal out there. And I have my sound signal, which was uh, a high decibel whistle in the cockpit ready. Um, but usually those big container ships and stuff, if they're in fog, they're throwing their, you know, cause it's just a recording or whatever. And they just, every minute you're getting that big blast. I didn't hear a single thing. It was kind of interesting up in Maine, hear it all the time, but, uh, any event. So after a, probably an hour, hour and a half of, of sort of weaving and changing course and super light winds, the winds finally die again fire the engine back up, take the sail down, that sort of thing. And then 20, 30 minutes later, the wind comes back up. It's also raining a lot. I don't know. It was one of those days where I kept just thinking to myself, boy, when this finally clears up and this fog lifts and the rain stops and the wind fills in, it is going to be a awesome, awesome feeling. So take in this misery I mean, I was soaking wet. The entire inside of the boat, the cabin sole was just covered in water. I didn't even bother trying to mop any of it up until the rain stopped. But uh, eventually, and probably about 20 minutes ago, everything has lifted up. Even the sun is starting to peek its way through. But mostly down to the south, uh, there is actual, actual sun and some blue sky. So... I figured I'd pop on down, do a little podcast update, because I think it's going to be, I'll probably take a little early nap tonight, but with the, the moon almost full, pretty excited about the night. Hopefully it'll clear up. I know there might be some thunderstorms lurking around, so I do have to keep my eye out for that, but the winds should shift out of the southwest around 9 or 10 tonight, and then we should have solid breeze for the coming days. So uh, I'm looking forward to that, and uh, it'll take some sail changes and such, but uh, I'll cook a nice little dinner tonight, try and uh, stay up a little bit, maybe listen to some podcasts, I don't know. And, um, yeah, just enjoy enjoy the rip. It's going to be only like four or five days tops because uh, we should have wind the whole time, but... Right now we are going 054 degrees, and we're at 38 degrees, 34 north, 74 degrees, 23 west, which puts us just a little northeast of uh, Ocean City, probably about, I'm going to just guess, 40 miles. Uh, It's been a slow, slow morning, but uh, slow day, I should say. But hopefully tonight we'll speed things up and start start moving this boat. It's got a little bit of growth on the bottom. Unfortunately, you sit in a marina. That's kind of what happens. But other than that, just wanted to do a quick little update. Uh, and that's about it. So cheers, everybody. It's almost time for the old sundowner. I'm pretty excited about that. And, uh, yeah, hopefully... Um, Hopefully that lobster buoy or that that fish pot was the one hiccup of the trip. We'll we'll just chalk it up to that. And, uh, yeah, we'll check back in when anything else happens or we'll do the same thing tomorrow just before before sunset. So thanks for listening, and the next next one will be probably tomorrow. All right. Hey, uh, welcome back aboard Mighty Sparrow. It is... uh, May 15th, I believe, and uh, so that puts us on a Sunday. Supposedly there's a lunar eclipse tonight. I doubt I'm going to be able to see it just because of the the haze and the fog and all that sort of stuff, but we are moving yet again. We did a bit of a drift today. Uh, last night, a bit of a recap here, last night was... I don't know, I guess typical of of what I would call coastal sailing, where you're less than uh, 100 miles from shore. So still over the continental shelf, lots of scalloping boats and, and bottom draggers and all that sort of stuff doing like zigzag patterns. 
So we had to sort of bust through them, but the moon was out, even though it was cloaked in a bit of haze. Uh, we had this beautiful sunset and all that, but uh, yeah, it just the winds were fickle, and so a lot of sail changes, a lot of switching around from the drifter to the pulled out jib to the mainsail, all this sort of stuff, trying to just eke anything out. And uh, there was one point, probably just after midnight, where the winds filled in strong enough where I was able to just go and head down and sleep for about two, two and a half hours, and then woke up uh, to the AIS alarm with few few more fishing boats around, but broke free of those guys and uh, actually just to, to be able to get away from them. Uh, the winds were so light, I ended up firing up the engine just before dawn and uh, just, you know, just to put me in a little distance uh, in between us and them. You know, I it's not so much that they bother me or anything, it's just... I don't want to get in their way, and the zigzag pattern that they do is sort of uh, a little unpredictable. So when I'm trying to to make a little space, I, I'm not always sure if I'm doing the right thing. And we were, you know, it was fogged in, so I could hear them, but I couldn't see them, and they were only about a half a mile away or something like that and there were a few cargo ships and things cuz we're you know cuz we're pretty close still and we actually <laughs> we rammed right through the wake of a japanese container ship that was over a thousand feet long holy cow you get used to that rhythm of the the swell and the sea and everything's normal and you sort of situate things and then it was like, wham! <laughs> we hit this pretty steep, steep little wave, uh, two of them. And it's like, oh, yeah, that ship just passed about 10 minutes ago, about a mile away. That makes sense. But for now, um, we, we basically went and um, we were able to, to motor... Probably motored for about, I want to say, five hours, and then I just had enough. It's a nice day. The fog hasn't lifted by any means, but it's it's more of a haze than anything now. And, uh, I, yeah, I just ended up drifting. Uh, I figured, why not? You know, one, one more good old drift on Old Sparrow. And it was funny because I was thinking about it. I mean, I've literally drifted on this boat. No sails up, no wind at all for hours on end. Uh, everywhere around this planet, like literally the Pacific, the Atlantic, the Indian Ocean, Southern Ocean, the Art. I, I don't know technically if I've been up in the Arctic or not. I think you have to get past 60 degrees north, but uh, yeah, just lots of, lots of, you know, that's one thing you can sort of count on. You never know if you're going to get hit by a big storm or if the winds are going to be perfect. Or if you're going to get a rain or a thunderstorm. But I don't, I cannot think of a single sailing trip I've ever been on that I haven't at least at some point been becalmed. And it's kind of an unusual thing because, you know, today, in today's world, and, and, you know, when I used to do yacht deliveries, the minute you fell below a certain speed, you turned the engine on. So there was never... It was something that I, I never really experienced being becalmed until I was on Mighty Sparrow and and was in the position of, well, I'm not in any hurry, so I'd rather not motor, so let's just drift here for a little while. And I don't know, it's kind of funny, it's a throwback to my time at uh, in the British Virgin Islands at the Bitter End, because that was one of the things we used to do when I first got there was, was go out for a drift. My buddy Scott, he, uh, he had a nice big inflatable dinghy and stuff for, for doing the kite surfing. And we, we'd go and fill up a cooler and, and just go out and drift yeah, with a bunch of people. And that was always a blast. I mean, now obviously it's just me, but I don't know. There's something about that. The idea of just drifting, especially the further you are offshore, the better, I think, because it, it sort of 
sticks you in the elements, uh, right into mother nature, so to speak. And I don't know, there's, there's something cool about that. It's, it's nice to be sailing and, and using the environment, but then there's also sort of a, I don't know, there's kind of an interesting aspect of just giving yourself over to it and just drifting away. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? I'm getting super philosophical out here. Uh, but in any, in any event, I uh, took a little nap today, got a little more sleep, just like a power nap, 30 minutes or something like that, and then woke up uh, with a bunch of energy, so was sort of up on deck, checking things out, looking around, and oh man, this wind is actually filling in, this is great, oh, we're doing five knots, okay, yeah, there were patches of cat's paws and stuff like that on the surface, and the wind was light, but it kind of felt like it was building. And the forecast says it's going to build. Should be blowing 7 to 10 for the rest of the day and night. And, uh, yeah, I figured I'd just throw the sails up. And I'm actually, I'm going to, so we're sailing now, and we're actually cruising. I'm going to take a look on deck. I'll keep shouting at you all. Make sure you know we're still there. Woo! Oh, baby! Nice. Oh, man. I was only motoring for, like I said, like five hours. So we started motoring probably at about three in the morning. And then we motored until about eight or nine this morning. And then I shut down the engine. So I've been drifting for about two, three hours. Slept some of that. But now we're we're back underway, and it's going to be kind of interesting. Um, headed to the southern edge of the Great South Channel in between Cape Cod and George's Bank. And the plan is to go straight north from there. It's a pretty heavy shipping area, all that sort of stuff. It's usually foggy. It's a place you don't want to be in bad weather. And on the forecast, in two two and a half days there's there's like this quick shot of nasty northwesterly winds you know 2030s um like there's it shows a dead calm and then the next three hour block is 30 knots of wind and then it sort of tames off and holds that direction so I don't know. I, I think it may be some sort of little thunderstorm cell or whatever. I, I think it's one of those things where I got to update the weather and see if it's developed in anything. But I'm going to do that tomorrow. And we're just going to keep plugging away. It's like 200 something miles to that first waypoint. And then to get away from the dangers of George's Bank is probably about 60, 70 miles into the Gulf of Maine. Uh, and then it's another like 80 70 80 miles to get into rockland uh so hopefully we will just have sort of southerlies for the next day or two which will get us right to where we want to go and then westerlies to take us past george's bank and pretty much after that it's uh i don't want to say it's all in the bag but it's it's pretty much uh should be pretty easy i mean you close in on the coast again and so it cuts the uh, cuts the amount that the waves can get and all that. Uh, obviously, I, I would really love to go through this trip without a thunderstorm and lightning. But, you know, if it's in the books, it's in the books. Just trying to sort of take it all in, you know, enjoy enjoy the act of, of being out here. And I tell you, being on the dock for that long really makes you realize just how nice it is out at sea. <coughs> Excuse me. And it it definitely is not lost on me. You know, obviously had I had I been given uh, hindsight and all that sort of stuff or given the choice with the crystal ball, obviously I wouldn't have have gone in. I would have stayed out, but it was definitely a smart smart thing to do for sure. That system could have developed into something really ugly and just slowly worked its way off the coast and clobbered me. And after tangoing with uh, Wanda, 
and having having that storm sort of chase me and not be able to escape it that was uh sort of a bit of a lesson for me honestly in in just how how vulnerable you can be uh out at sea with some of these systems so i don't know but in any event i'm uh we're cruising now so i'm gonna go back up on deck because this wind literally just filled in as we were doing this little podcast update and this is pretty cool i want to I want to get up there. It's it's half sun, half haze. We had oh, I'll tell you, we had definitely the coolest moon bow uh, this morning. It was so cool. Early before before night came, it just like I don't know. It's it's like a fog. It has the fog has to be just right, and the moon has to be just right. Which I think the moon is full tonight and. You get you get a white rainbow essentially in the sky, which I don't know. It's it's not as spectacular obviously as a regular rainbow, but it's super rare. So there's that to consider. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, at this point I I don't know. I'm uh, I'm just cruising, and we'll we'll see how things go. Like I said, we'll we'll update the forecast. I was listening to the. The forecast on the VHF, and I may tune that back in. I that's how I'm close enough in that I can actually hear that. I think I'm about 75, 80 miles offshore, and I don't know if I can get a. I don't know if I'll get the forecast for Cape Cod and George's Bank yet, but I don't know. Uh, just like any other trip. The forecast, you can only trust it for a little bit, and even then, who knows. But I'll tell you, today they got it spot on because it said by noon the wind was going to fill in, and it's 20 to noon right now, and the wind has filled in. So that is pretty cool. So we should have this for the next uh, 48 hours, which will get us right where we want to go. Hopefully, you know, if we get a pretty strong northwesterly then I always have the option instead of pounding into it in the Great South Channel is just to head a little further east and go around George's Bank, sort of ride the storm off to the east, and then as things switch back up, then head north because it's then supposed to come out of the south. But it's the Gulf of Maine, so chances are it's going to be becalmed. But I have plenty of fuel, and the engine's running really well, so... Knock on wood. Hopefully that continues. And, uh, you know, all in all, if I can just get into Rockland Friday morning, that would be fantastic. And uh, hopefully then we could haul the boat right out. Get to work on Monday. (laughs) Back to the grind. All right. So that's our update from day, day two. Is it day two? Ah, boy, how you how you lose this in your brain? I'd have to open up the logbook, and I don't want to do that right now. I got to do that in eighteen minutes for the noon log. Uh, no, I believe it's. Uh, I believe yes, it is day two. So day two of the voyage back up to Rockland, Maine, from Ocean City, Maryland. All right, next update coming.